0: today's program has been brought to you by root 11 potato chips made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment for more information visit www.rt11.com you're listening to heritage radio network broadcasting live from bushwick brooklyn if you like this program visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more
1: Good afternoon and welcome to What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights with me, your host, Katie Kiefer. And today we are talking with Bill Marler, one of my absolute favorite guests. Uh, He's back at the show to talk with us about foster farms, uh, salmonella outbreak, about HIMP, the new poultry inspection law that may or may not actually transpire. And finally, the uh, replacement, we hope, of our... (laughs) Bill I see you just sent me an email are we still on Bill you're there right
2: I am here. <laughs> okay, now I'm
1: going to read your bio. So just hang with me for a second. In case people don't know who Bill Marler is, he's a senior partner in Marler Clark Law Firm, which is the law firm uh, that has been pr- prosecuting foodborne illness outbreaks. So Bill is an accomplished personal injury lawyer. I'm reading this from his website and national expert on foodborne illness litigation. He began representing victims of foodborne illness in 1993 when he represented Brian Kiner, the most seriously injured survivor of the Jack in the Box E. coli 0157H7 outbreak. Um, she got a big ass settlement, Bill. You did good. Um, and since that time, Bill and his law
2: partners at Marler Clark. (laughs) My mom wrote this whole thing for me, so I just want
1: you to know. good. I'm starting to feel better now because I was like, really? I can't believe I'm reading this out loud.
2: (laughs) Don't stop. Just stop. stop. Anyway,
1: point is, is that Bill has testified in front of Congress. He's been in the forefront of all kinds of, um, just, uh, National awareness about foodborne illness and and the rep- and uh, represented many of the victims of said foodborne <laughs> illness outbreaks. And right now we are in the midst of a really big one, which has not been particularly well covered in mainstream media. And by that I am speaking of the Foster Farms outbreak. And Foster Farms is an outfit in California, which to my surprise ha- actually has a certified humane um, or animal welfare approved uh, status, and they're very big on how great they are about their chickens. Yet you unfortunately, know, they all carry. A really uh, exceptionally virulent strain of Salmonella Heidelberg. So, Bill, take us uh, through the um, take us through what happened with Foster Farms and what's going to happen in the future.
2: Well, uh, you know, first of all, it's you have to remember uh, that Salmonella uh, on meat is not considered an adulterant. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a few seem, minutes. Yeah, right. it seemed you know incongruous, but. But ultimately, you know, this outbreak uh, linked to foster farms has been an ongoing problem, you know, for actually several years. Um, Oh, is that
1: right? Because I was thinking it it, was like back in April that the first uh, illnesses began rolling out. And then there was like some mention of it in the summer. And then again, it's like obviously another 390 people or something have been affected by this or at least are being reported.
2: Yeah, it's a bit more complex than that. It's uh, uh, Washington and uh, Oregon have been monitoring foster farms. Uh, uh, plants for several years, and, and it's been an ongoing <clears throat> problem with salmonella. Uh, it's just sort of gotten uh, more attention uh, since the CDC reported these two outbreaks of salmonella Heidelberg this year. Right, so and salmonella Heidelberg about 500 people.
1: Right, and let's let's just be clear here for people who don't know, salmonella Heidelberg is a relatively new strain of this pathogen. It's a multi-drug resistant strain, mm-hmm. and it carries a particularly virulent. Um, uh, you know disease profile it 's worse than sort of your average everyday foodborne illness you actually get sicker, although not no one has died yet in this particular outbreak
2: no but you 've had forty uh, percent of the people in this outbreak have been hospitalized right. that 's a, that's a pretty shocking that 's a pretty shocking that 's a high in, number in salmonella. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely
1: Very. so what so these people are animal welfare approved or whatever their certified humane thing is, and supposedly they 're all earthy crunchy they have three plants. And what's going on with these guys? Why can't they clean up their act?
2: Uh, they're, yeah, unfortunately, uh, no different than the rest of the industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, they, they may treat their chickens nicer but, um, <laughs> the, uh, before they kill them. Right. Um, but, but uh, uh, you know, because we, the public, and through our government uh, officials, tolerate uh, salmonella on our chicken as just what they call natural occurring, which yeah. is not um it uh you know the, the bar is set so uh incredibly low that these are the kinds of things that happen routinely um and so um you, we can we can look at that and say well you know foster farms you know is a bad egg um but they're they're really frankly no different than you know any other chicken producer when it comes to salmonella profile
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, when uh, Consumer Reports ran tests on uh, meats and and what diseases they carried in our supermarket, I think it was like Mm -hmm. in some shocking, shockingly high number, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 67% or something like
2: that. I've done the same thing in retail testing just in the Seattle market and, you know, found uh, almost all the chicken was contaminated. So. And so then the onus is is
1: on the consumer to basically have HACCP training in the home, which is something I keep telling the industry. It's like people don't take HACCP training for the home. So cross-contamination is very easy to do, um, especially if you're in a rush, uh, not Mm -hmm. cooking your chicken properly. And this is the other thing that the industry is like always saying, well, it's the consumer's fault because they didn't incinerate their meat uh, right. To whatever proper temperature they feel is the one that's going to kill. But what was interesting about this particular sal- Salmonella Heidelberg was that there was a cross contamination factor between the raw product and then what was sold into Costco and then <clears throat> excuse me and then cooked and then went out into homes. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because that was another unusual aspect of this. Normally, it's just the raw product or it's right. the cooked product. Well, this you know, both.
2: it, it, you, it pr- sort of proves your point about you know responsibility for consumers. I mean, if if Costco can't cook and handle chicken properly right. in their in their system, how do you really expect uh, consumers to do that? That's and, right. And so, uh, you know, it, it really just begs the question as to whether or not um, Salmonella, uh, which is a you know, pathogen that sickens millions of Americans every year and, and actually is the pathogen that kills more Americans every year. Wow. Um, it should be considered that. to be an adulterant or not. Right. And that's especially the antibiotic-resistant varieties. Right. And there is a petition that has been filed. It's actually two years old, a petition filed by Center for Science in the Public Interest uh-huh. uh, to request that uh, salmonella, The antibiotic resistant varieties, of which there are four, um, be deemed an adulterant, uh, just like E. coli 0157H7. Right, I was just going to say that, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So, the same pathogen that eventually won, um, it it took a long time, tons of industry pushback to label Salmonella E. coli uh, 0157H7, which was the pathogen that was implicated in the jack in the box outbreak, am I right?
2: Correct. So, that's
1: finally, so there is a precedent.
0: For oh, yeah. no, no, no! It's pathogens
1: it's, it's, being labeled as adulterants, and it just takes a really long time to get them through whatever litiga- or legal process. And what is that correct. legal process,
2: Bill? Explain well, to us. Well, the, the, the legal process is uh, there's, there's a, a number of varieties of ways that you can get uh, uh, products listed as an, adulter- as an adulterant. And, and just, so you, just to put this in your mind, uh-huh. um, salmonella is an adulterant in all other food. It's just not an adulterant on meat. So, you know, uh, if, it's a, if, it's, if it's lettuce, so if, you, if lettuce has salmonella on it in your grocery store uh, and the grocery store knows that it's there, uh, they can't sell it.
1: Right. But they have to if, withdraw it from the market. They
2: have to withdraw it from yeah. the market. But if, if it, it's on your meat, they can sell it knowingly contaminated with salmonella. And
1: they clearly do, since you did retail testing and found that 97% was contaminated.
2: Yeah, but but, I mean, uh, and part of the problem (laughs) is, is the government sets uh, what are they called performance standards, which I think is an odd name. They have a performance standard for salmonella um, that's about 15%. So they they just, they simply allow it. And Mm. the government, uh, you know, the Food Safety Inspection Service, um, buys the industry's argument that they just cannot uh, get salmonella out of our food supply, which um, is the same argument that they used 20 years ago in talking about E. coli 0157. And uh, once the government actually did their job, um, we've now seen E. coli 0157 cases drop just absolutely dramatically, which right. is a good thing, and commensurately, except for, a good, good thing for except for lawyers who litigate them. Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah but now you have salmonella.
2: <laughs> I, I do. I'm, yeah, the, industry, the You know, the industry. <laughs> The industry that hates me so much uh, never seems to stop doing stupid things that keeps me employed. So. Exactly.
1: I mean, they would like to put you out of business, but they just can't help throwing that business your way. <laughs> they,
2: they, it's, a funny, it's a funny thing. It's a That's funny thing. Really, it's
1: really funny, so, Bill, i got to say. So. Um, I just went to the National Institute of Animal Agriculture um, Symposium on uh, Antibiotics in the Food Supply. Mm-hmm. And for two days, I listened to... Um, scientists and, uh, veterinarians and public health officials and people from FDA and USDA. And it was, I, you know, at the end of it, I had to like contact somebody from, um, Center for Science and the Public Interest, who had been a presenter as well, I was also a presenter, and say, uh, did I hear what I thought I was hearing? Or am I just insane? Because like what they were saying is like, oh, well, we need to study this problem a little further. <laughs> you know, there are no, uh, no real studies that prove a connection between <laughs> you know, these multi-drug resistant strains of salmonella or campylobacter and, and human illness. Or, <laughs> I mean, it was just it was mind blowing, Bill. It was absolutely mind blowing.
2: Yeah, if you if you spend some time with the uh, the folks at NARMS and ARMS, which is mm-hmm. uh, the CDC, is sort of. I remember uh, speaking. I was a keynote speaker at a CDC conference um, back in 2005, and uh, it was without uh, not without controversy, I might add. I can And uh, and uh, I was walking out afterwards and uh, heading back to my office, uh, and uh, um, some gentleman snuck up behind me. And said, "You know, I, I can't tell you my name, but <clears throat> I work for Narm's, and antibiotic resistance is really, really, really important. <laughs> and 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 I had this sort of vision the, of the scene in uh, the graduate where yeah. they're standing out by the pool, and uh, the gentleman leans over to Dustin Hoffman and says, <clears throat> plastics, it's plastics.' Right, right. And you know, I think <clears throat> I think there are I Great think there analogy. are there are good there are scientists." Who absolutely understand you know that it's it 's not just feeding you know antibiotics to animals that is the problem it's it's uh, it is a combination of that it 's a combination of overprescription of sure, antibiotics in humans it's a com it 's a complex issue, but um, the way you deal with complex issues is you start to deal with them as opposed to just kicking the can down the road, yeah. which is how unfortunately we deal with stuff hoping that we are going to get another, uh, you know, another antibiotic that will cover up our past mistakes. And that's what we have been doing relatively successfully up until late. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think uh, people are concerned that we're running out of, you know, time when it comes to that. Most definitely. And
1: there are no new antibiotics. Just so people know, there Mm. are no new antibiotics in the pipeline of any any drug company. That it just—it's not profitable for them, so they're not doing it. So right. now let's so let's let's connect the dots here. Let's talk about um, Food Safety and Inspection Services, which just lost its uh, director, Elizabeth Hagen, mm-hmm. and um, and that probably means, uh, given the temperament of Congress and how long it takes to confirm any appointee in this Republican, con- you know, controlled essentially. Although I hope the end of the filibuster will make that change. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, what who do you think is going to be tapped to be the next FSIS uh, director, and what kind of creds do you need to do that job? And, and what did you think of Elizabeth Hagen, who supported Hemp, which I think is right. really going um, to be a disaster? Well, you know, my passes. phone.
2: You know, the president hasn't called. But, Why not? Because you know, uh, you know, you've testified I, I act- in front of Congress.
1: He should know who you no, are. No, 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 no. <laughs>
2: I, actually, I actually, in sort of a not too many people know this, but I actually did apply for that job and was on the short list. No way. Um, yeah, and, they didn't and hire uh, you? But but the uh, you know I think it was a combination of of uh it, it takes i think it, it takes a uh, a different personality to be in a in a under cabinet position uh, i'm not sure my personality profile sort of fits that um and you know the the although i have a lot of people in the beef industry and meat, meat industry that actually respect what i do mm-hmm. um i don't think they would really want to have me you know, making the kinds of critical decisions that, you know, in the long run, yeah, I don't think very, so, Bill. <laughs> Long run would be very good for them. In yeah. the short run, it would be very painful. Yes, um, it would. So, be. Um, I actually have <clears throat> have a great deal of respect for Dr. Hagan. Um, uh, and putting putting this hemp things aside, because I think that's actually a much more complex issue than you know than than I think people give it credit for. But you know, she did move on. Expanding uh, certain kinds of Shiga toxins, um, uh uh-huh, That's true. E. coli, which was good. Um, she really brought, uh, as a physician and as an infectious disease doc, she really brought FSIS sort of focused on its mission, which is a public health mission, which is very difficult to do when it's also captured within the USDA. It's a it's a very com it's a very complex, very difficult spot to be in because. They're 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 with and around meat people oh, constantly twenty four seven yeah
1: yeah absolutely. and it's
2: very difficult so I think Dr Hagan did a remarkable uh, job within that job um, it, you know talking about the the hemp thing um, you know it's a um, it, it's a balancing act um, the, the, the U S population doesn't want to pay for things yeah Um, you know we don't want to pay taxes we don't want to do anything we all hate government we all hate you know government employees but yet we really want to have inspectors uh... in plants uh... and lines moving slowly but we don't want to pay for it right and and then government's trying to figure out how to deal with that on a limited budget and you know that's in many respects hemp is in part, a safety issue. It's in part a recognition that FSIS um, has a lot of expensive employees, and yeah. they're trying to figure out how to cut them. <laughs>
1: right.
2: Now, not—I I don't look at that as a good thing,
1: right? No, neither but are. it is <laughs> one
2: of those things that we ask people like Elizabeth Hagen to do things that are virtually impossible sometimes and then we get then we get pissed off at her because of it and you know you get what you pay for
1: i i guess that's true but and, and on that note we have to take a very short break sure. uh for sponsor drop but stay with us and we'll be right back with bill marler of marler clark uh the food borne illness litigator too um that's hopefully helping all of us uh, anyway we'll be right back with what doesn't kill you
2: stay tuned
0: the following program has been brought to you by root 11 potato chips From the moment Route 11 potato chips dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate. An incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Route 11 Potato Chips believes comfort food should be just that. Know where your food comes from. For more information, visit RT11.com.
1: And thanks to my sponsor. We're back. This is What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights with me, your host, Katie Kiefer. On the line with me today is Bill Marler, a senior partner in the Marler-Clark law firm which litigates foodborne illness outbreaks around the country. Um, Bill, so we were talking about hemp and it occurred to me during the break that we hadn't really explained what that is for people who don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. <laughs> and it's a new poultry inspection plan, which um, has been halted by the Government Accountability Office. And those of you who listen to my show regularly uh, will remember that a couple of weeks ago, I think it was even last week, I interviewed um, uh, Alfredo Gonzalez uh, from the Government Accountability Office on why they had stopped uh, pushing forward with hemp. Um, but let's talk about what hemp is going to mean in terms of inspection, Bill. Maybe you should take us through that. It, it's
2: really fairly basic. Um, uh they want to have less FSIS inspectors, shift the inspecting to the to the plant employees, and speed up the line. So, so that's you know putting the fox in the hen it, house, kind of right. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I, I have a, I, I'm a firm believer in, uh, you know, and this is very counterintuitive to many, many, many people, but I'm a firm believer in public employees being in not only FSIS inspecting meat plants, but, you know, uh, plants um, that are producing all foods. I think the closer to the public the inspectors are, and that's the closer you can get is either inspecting it yourself or having right. a public employee inspect it, the the better our food supply is. Yes, I and agree. So, but, you, you know, it's one of those things, as I, I said you gotta earlier. You've got to um, you be willing to pay for it. You've yeah. got to be willing to pay for it, and I think it's, you know it's the old penny wise pound foolish thing mm-hmm. um, and I, I think uh, my my issue with him uh, is is that is that um, I, I I don't really have a huge problem of speeding up the lines primarily because. The things that will kill you, you can't see anyway. Right. So if the lines are going faster, it's sort of irrelevant. Um, but having public employees there doing the pathogen testing mm-hmm. and and uh, you know uh, is really the important part of it.
1: You know, I agree, but at the same time, I also <clears throat> feel like losing inspector USDA inspectors or FSIS inspectors off of the line in general um, is uh, going to, first of all, result in a lot more. Um, a lot more sort of bad birds getting through mm-hmm. because we're going mm-hmm. from 145 birds per minute to 175 right. or maybe even up to 190. Um, but also they're only able to, these the, even if the FSI ins, uh, inspectors are at the end of the line, they're only swabbing maybe 8 to 10 birds an hour, according right. to what I've read. So if you're talking about 190 birds a minute... And then you do the math on that—what, <laughs> how many that is in an hour? Right. You're not swabbing right. a lot of birds, and a lot of birds are going to get through with all kinds of yucky stuff on them, which uh, makes I, it know, even I, harder I, I, to control yeah. the pathogen in the home.
2: I, I don't dis- i don't disagree with that. The, the, my my uh, personal preference would be simply say, you know, you cannot sell chicken with. Salmonella or Campylobacter right. on it. Period. Right. It, so they should an, be classified as adulterants. Not an easy thing to do. Not an yeah. easy thing to accomplish. But you know, and and but they did that with O157H7. Not to say that it's it's actually zero. The right. goal is zero, and the testing protocol is for zero. But we do still have an occasional. 157 H seven outbreak linked to hamburger. Yes, definitely. But it's it's but but it is so much rarer today mm. than it was ten years ago. And I mean, what
1: kind of interventions do you feel are responsible for that lowering in the numbers for O one five seven H seven? Is that the the you know the the bleach bath or?
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. O one five seven. Sort of pulling. more on the meat meat side of the uh, the the red meat side of the yeah, equation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been it's been a a lot of of uh, testing uh you know mm. they require uh you know uh, test and uh, hold test and hold um yeah. a lot of product gets can, you know gets uh diverted to uh cooking or or uh uh-huh. thrown away which is a good thing right. um so you know salmonella especially antibiotic resistant salmonella would be a much more difficult task because the system is so rampant with salmonella but you know, you, there are things that farmers are doing um, in, with egg production, with, with chick production to lower the amounts of salmonella, which is a start, uh, to, to look at how chickens are actually raised before slaughter to, again, right. eliminate salmonella. Those are things that what you're trying to do is always lower it as close as you can to zero. Yeah. Then start looking at, you know, the use of antibiotics. Um, if you have less chickens shoved in a cage, you can use less ad- antibiotics. Well, guess what? Then you don't have the risk of antibiotic-resistant salmonella. Yeah. So there are a lot of things you can do even before you slaughter an animal that will lessen the bacterial load within that chicken, which is a, is a huge start that you don't even have to start thinking about the various kinds of interventions that are available scientifically that post-slaughter. Um, right. And those, there are some very successful non-chlorine-based uh, interventions that are out there. Sure, uh,
1: absolutely. Stages,
2: Vinegar, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, and, you know, uh, and so there are, there are a number out there that, that you know, they can start moving towards. But until the government or the consumers, through their government, set a goal of zero tolerance, we're just going to keep having this discussion yeah. again and again and again.
1: Yeah, because the meat industry, for them, there's no, um, there's no uh, incentive to change until no. people stop buying their product, which is right. what and, I'm advocating for. And, you know,
2: look for. at what just <laughs> you know, sort of circling back to Foster Farms. Yeah. If you look at the, 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 uh, um, the letters that FSIS sent uh, to Foster Farms, uh when the outbreak was announced. And Mm -hmm. you read those letters you're going, Oh my gosh, these plants are out of control. But yet FSIS, you know, says, Look, if you don't clean up your plant, uh we're gonna pull our inspectors, which is the only thing they can really do. Right. But yet within, you know, a day of sending those letters, within days of sending those letters, FSIS says, Oh, everything's good, perfect we're we're not going to pull our inspectors.
1: Well, that's because Foster Farms wrote and said, "Well, we're going to implement this really gnarly and incredibly intense, <clears throat> uh, you know, zero tolerance policy in the plants." And like, well, no, why weren't no, they doing no, that what before? What they really
2: did, no, <laughs> what they really did, is they said to FSIS, "Try to remove your inspectors, and we will take you to court, and <gasps> we will get a judge to force your people back in." No Just way, like they did. I in, did not know that just like they did, just like, not they did, but just like industry did in the Supreme Beef case. Uh FSIS is scared to death of industry because their only leverage is yanking inspectors. Mm -hmm. And the times that they've done that, courts have forced them back in. And the reason why they could force them back in on a salmonella is because the government has no standard. If government said, and there's plenty of, you know, scientific basis to do this. If government Mm -hmm. said exactly what they did for 0157, said this is a danger to the public, and we now have a zero tolerance, here's our rule, you have to comply. If Foster Farms had not complied, you could pull those inspectors and the court would say, government's doing its job, we're not going to force the inspectors in. That's That's the problem that FSIS is having.
1: And FSIS fails to enact these rules, such as declaring Salmonella Heidelberg and other multidrug resistant uh, strains as adulterants because? Because why? Because. <laughs> uh, spell it, it out. A, yeah,
2: they, <laughs> because, they, because they feel they've bought the industry's line that it's impossible to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. There's an article, uh, it was written, I think it was in the American Meat online newspaper, and it was actually interviewing. One of the top FSIS officials uh, named uh, Dan Engeljohn. and and Dan I've known for 15 years. Uh, very smart guy. Yeah. Uh, but he just simply said, you know, um, if if we implemented this, we wouldn't have any chickens to sell. Huh. Um, and and you know, if you implemented it immediately, he's right. That might be true. But if, yeah. But if you implemented it over time with you know good uh, monitoring, good scientific uh, methodologies, over time, you could reduce it to a, uh, a level that we see in E. coli 015787, which is, you know, 99, this is, I think, the best statistic ever, 99% of my firm's revenue uh, in the 90s and 2000s with E. coli cases linked to hamburger. Wow. Today, it's zero. Wow. Fact. That's a fact. Wow. <laughs> you could talk to my amazing. bookkeeper about that. Yeah, yeah you could talk to my book. And that's the fact of the matter is, is that these things are doable. Yeah, they're, they're painful. They're difficult. But in the long run, it's good for public health. Mm-hmm. And it ultimately is good for business.
1: Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, my feeling is, is that if these guys don't figure it out vis-a-vis, say, whether or not they're going to treat their animals with antibiotics as either, either, or whatever you want to call it, disease prevention or slash growth promotants. You know, their market is going to go away because it's already shrinking. I mean, people are already saying, you know what? I don't really want to eat that if it hasn't been raised with, you know, a minimum of right. intervention. And uh, and they're moving on to the vegetable aisle. I mean, I heard it from a number of um, of grocery store owners, mm-hmm. uh, Wegmans and Heinen's in, in Ohio. Right. They were like, you know, it's over. It's like, and my feeling is, the battle is already lost on this, as far as the meat industry goes. They're going to have to toe the line on that, at least on reducing the the antibiotic load in their feed. But um, it's it really is. It's about voting with your dollars and your and your pocketbook um, in terms of trying to make the industry do what it doesn't want to do, which is in this case, uh, clean up their plants.
2: Right. I yeah. But <laughs> the the fact is is that. Um, I just got back from South Africa uh, given a series of food safety speeches uh-huh. and, and a and a, um uh, a woman who runs uh, a very successful uh, business uh, a chicken uh, sells chicken you know chickens to she said, you know she goes, the reason why we are so careful with our chickens is and is that a the people who buy our chickens are quite poor, right and secondly, the people who buy our chickens are immune-compromised because of AIDS. Right. And so we have to be extremely careful because we have to give them good value Mm -hmm. and we have to make it sure that they're safe so we don't kill them. Right. And, and, And you sit there and you're like, you know, if that's the sort of thing that, you know, instead of exporting me from... (laughs) <laughs> from the United States to to South Africa, we need to import her attitude into the chicken industry in America. That is so and, true. And it's you know it was I find I find it to be you know quite stunning that that would be the attitude of a very successful you know not huge operation. Right. South Africa just has a different profile than we have. But those kinds of things still, I mean, it's uh, those things can be implemented
1: yeah absolutely well it's, that's a that's a stunning anecdote, and on that i'm afraid we have to close this program um if folks want to know more uh, f- about food safety and food safety issues, I highly recommend bill 's multiple journals, uh including Food safety news, which I read cover to cover. You have amazing reporters by the way yeah I great. mean you great. really have a fantastic lineup of people writing for you um so there's food safety news there's uh your own uh what do you call yours? Your particular Marler blog? Marlar blog. Marler blog. Yep. Um, there's also raw milk. If you want to learn about raw milk, there's another channel for that. Um, and what else do you want to tell us about, Bill? What else do you have going on there?
2: You just have a great Sunday and, you know, cook your chicken well.
1: <laughs> That's right, because it's all on you people. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for joining me today, Bill. I hope you'll come my, back soon. My pleasure. Thank you. And uh, thanks. and thanks to my sponsor, Root 11 Potato Chips. And thank you to Heritage Radio Network for making it all possible. And we'll see you next week week with another great show have a great holiday people so long now bye-bye
0: thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org network.org you can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at heritage underscore radio